Driver, driver, please don't leave the Mies running for this is Pod Taxi by Warrior Desho, or more accurately, our second stream. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, welcome. Uh, happy Friday to you all. It's a very happy Friday for me because I'm no longer dealing with the drudgery of work. I have a giant mug of beer in my hand, and I have a very good friend and confidant joining me, of course, to talk about all things Odd Taxi today, and that is, of course, the Soul Doctor. Hello, friends. Welcome. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's doing better than me. We're that way because my Aww. week has been uh, not great. So um, it, it's been uh, physically and emotionally demanding. But the good yeah. news is it's over. That's like, something. In a matter of hours, I'm going to go home. In the United States, we celebrate Labor Day Monday. So I've got a long weekend. Um, yeah. So there's good things on the horizon. Uh, having said that, I may not have the, the verve that, uh, is, is normal for today, but Shadon, luckily enough, has verve enough spare for two. Uh, but I'm going to alcohol, (laughs) right? Exactly. Exactly. But, but I'm going to listen. I couldn't, I couldn't miss the chance to talk about this show because, uh, it's just, it's quite a thing and I'm excited to, get to the questions and uh get to the discussion and and chat about um i don't know our about our favorite walrus son indeed there's a lot to discuss i mean the show is is a trove of riches when it comes to talking points and things to think about which is always welcome uh, and it continues to be uh exciting and interesting as well which is always good mm-hmm. so that's pretty good i mean we we slept on this to be quiet we we just let the tap the odd taxi just drive right past us and we never flagged it down <laughs> we did not when the opportunity presents itself and mm-hmm. i i regret that but well better to be fashionably late than not which is probably how i'm going to spend the rest of my night actually after have this wraps up i'm literally nice. going to be as soon as this podcast finishes at the time of recording i will be turning my computer off throwing my uh, coat on i will be heading out to manchester and i will be drinking my way into the early hours of the morning well good so luck. uh no one try Enjoy. and contact me tomorrow. You won't get you won't get a response. Like you'll well, be people will be flashing like a little torch into my eye. Like, my God. He's just lifeless. He's comatose. I'll end up looking like one of those uh, fully poseable action figures you see, like, you know, the little wooden dolls, except it's clearly bent out of shape. And somehow I'll still be at home. Anyway, um jokes about my own idiocy aside, um, we're gonna be of course talking about patron questions today for our second stream and then our own talking points. This being the second stream format, by the way, there will be no uh, full um, summary of the plot of these episodes. Nope. I strongly suspect, given what you can understand the chat and anyone else who would otherwise be listening to this pod, that they have more likely than not watched the entire show at this point, to which I commend you. Um, 
fair play. I, I will not argue with that because the show is eminently watchable. And the only reason mm-hmm. I've not gone ahead and watched the next batch of episodes is because of the structure that this particular podcast demands. So there you go. You know, we, we I, I can occasionally restrain myself, despite the fact that there is a whole night of debauchery ahead where restraint is neither a word I will spell nor understand. <laughs> anime restraint it's a it's a different skill set no i don't know i i thought that i would not be able to stop myself from watching it but i've managed to to hold on for the sake of the pod for to to have this be as as authentic of a you know this is episodes five through eight and nothing about later episodes is contaminating my my takes so Mm-hmm. You can answer asking if the stream has died, to which I would say no. It's just it's just undead, you know. Um, no, it doesn't look. Oh, like no. nothing uh, on our end is is malfunctioning. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think you can needs to take the uh, the coat hanger he's used as the improvised aerial for his <laughs> Wi-Fi. He just needs to adjust it. Hold it higher. <laughs> Hold it higher, my friend. You'll get the full four bars. I promised you. Um. Anyway. Anyway. So we're going to get to all of the odd taxi discussion in a little bit, but before that, we do have a bit of a housekeeping announcement thing to do. Um, so I'll, we'll keep this brief because it'll be a more formalized announcement on our Patreon later, an actual text that you can read later that won't sound like complete gibberish as it otherwise does come from my mouth. But to the point, after this particular season, which is currently uh, Sunny Boy, Odd Taxi, and Death Parade, uh, our Patreon will end. That is it. It will go. Does that mean the pod is going? No! Do not panic. Do not, like, you know, start mailing me things. Unless they're nice things, in which case you can do that all you want. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, but rather, I think between me and Doc, we've realised with our own lives uh, getting more busy and more complicated as time goes by, um, that, I, I mean, hell, I barely managed to make it in time to watch the, to get to this pod today but introduce my own work commitments. I know mm. you, of course, had to delay doing the pod this week, rightly because of your... Because uh, of your family, uh, which I want to elaborate because it's not my business to say so, but family, of course, as people would rightly understand, does come first. Um, so we've come to the conclusion, ultimately, that while it has been good and we've done great work doing this particular style of week-on-week pod for three different shows at once chosen by patrons, um, unfortunately, it's becoming a bit too much for us to sustain. And so at this particular time, we think it's good to bow out this format and move back to something like what we did prior uh, to end stream of thoughts style, which is we do something like a monthly pod, just the one, and it'll be a full fat, full blown, like, you know, free course meal banquet on a single film or show of some description. Um, so what does this mean? Uh, well, for one, we're going to retire the Patreon. Uh, Patreon subscribers who are still active will get a special role in our Discord once this all is over. So, uh, you know, people who have supported us for all this time, for which we are immensely grateful for your contributions before... Uh, up until now, whether you're new or old, like, means the world to me that people were actually willing to pay money, not to shut me up, but to make me talk more, which is not what I usually expect. Um, But anyway, um, we're going to do that, of course. We'll migrate instead over to Kofi or Kofi or Coffee or whatever you want to say, and it will be a voluntary thing where it'll be more like a tip jar. If you want to put money in to support us, you're more than welcome to. If you want to keep that money to spend on your own kind of thing, like, I don't know, bags of Doritos, yeah. uh, bottles of beer, or maybe scented candles if you're feeling that way, you go do that. Uh, that's fine. 
Um, I'll hopefully be trying to pilot doing some more regular content solo, like I did previously when Doc was away for a couple of weeks, but I'll still try and discuss, like, currently airing stuff, see how that pans out. But yeah, uh, it will be all changed as of the end of the season, so uh, this is it. This is the final time we'll be doing second stream, and at least it's bowing out on a high note with Odd Taxi, of course. Yes, yes, it is going out on top, and probably Desho the Third as well. I mean, I think Death Parade is a beloved property. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're ending both of those on a, on a thumbs up. And, I mean, I'll just add to what Shadon said um, and say that this is, I think, going to be a case of uh, using the old, I'm going to try out the old sports cliche, addition by subtraction. Uh, I think that, you know, as, as my co-host rightly put it, the weekly format and uh, having to do episodic analysis on on the weekly um has been it, it's getting to be too much and uh it is for me i'll speak for me when i say that's a little bit it, it can be draining at times intellectually um and i think that when we're gonna do a monthly podcast about a whole, when we look at the whole thing, a whole anime film, TV show, OAV, I think you are going to, in that podcast, get the best of us. Creatively speaking, entertaining-wise, we'll have more time to plan, more time to think. We'll be able to rewatch things. We'll be able to read things. Um, and I just think that on a per-episode basis, you will get... Uh, a higher quality podcast. Um, I know also that we had we are planning to do a, like a non anime pod per month, um, and that's going to be. I mean, nothing is going to be paywall gated anymore. Uh, I don't think. You know, maybe I don't know. Who knows? But as far as we know now, nothing will be paywall gated. Those two things won't be. Um, and, and the kind of the, the non anime thing will be less rigorously researched and more, let's have some fun with the thing and (laughs) kind of shoot from the hip and talk about it and enjoy, enjoy a fun piece of media together. That's not anime. Um, so that'll give us a chance to branch out a little bit in terms of what we cover. I I mean, I mean, at some point, I feel like I want to get you and me to do a podcast, uh, speaking of non-anime, but animation, rather. I feel like uh, at some point, you and I could have a bang-up time doing uh, a dual podcast on what I think are the exemplars of two respective characters' presentation and animation, which is to cover, essentially, the animated films Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, and Into the Spider-Verse. Which are, oh, in my opinion, the best so films good. that represent both characters. <laughs> I so reckon good. we could do like there's a lot to talk about about both films individually, but also how they compare and how they are celebrations of each character. But that's for the future, and that's something I'd very much like to do because I've got I've got strong opinions on that kind of stuff outside of anime. Believe me, I'm not just you know lockstep into like you know whatever comes out of Japan. There's some stuff from the West I occasionally like, like beer. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, burgers burgers that cost more than £10 and aren't made from, you know, shit like McDonald's. I like Western stuff occasionally, so I think it's worth talking about it. It's true. It's true. And, like, uh-huh. uh, like 
like Shadon said, big thank you to everyone who has supported us up to yeah. now. I mean, I know we we probably we have some like maybe one or two things that we are going to keep in mind that patrons have asked us to do while the Patreon's been going, you know, and we'll try to pay that off going forward uh, and and get some content out there on that stuff. Um, And, you know, if you do want to keep supporting us, of course, like Sean said, there will be a a Kofi. And the Discord is like, one of the things I love about our Discord is it's, you know, the, the Patreon has been actually a really nice way to make sure that the Discord is cozy and the Discord is um, full of really cool people who aren't interested in, uh, you know, ca- causing trouble or being a pain in the ass. They just want to be part of a, a smart and fun uh, community of f- friends who love anime and other stuff, too. So we are going to figure out a way to keep that. I don't want to open it up to open wide the doors because I've had a bad experience at another outlet where we yeah we, just, I, I have... we kicked the door open and it was not really fun at all. <laughs> I've, so. I've got no bullshit tolerance nor filtering, <laughs> so therefore the simplest way for me is to keep the fucking door shut. But as Doc yeah. says, like you know, we're not gonna like you know preclude not the possibility. Totally. We might not not let you know like certain cool people come in. So yeah, in other words, we'll we get to be really out. judgy, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll we'll tie maybe we'll tie it to Kofi. You know, we'll we'll work on it. Well, this is all going to be you know ironed out and and put in in words and typed out on the Discord and Patreon and probably eventually Twitter. So, um, but we want to let you guys know, and you know. Um, I, I, you know, people may be unsubscribing throughout the month. That's fine. And, you know, once we get the, the last and final, uh, we need, we need to make sure, I guess, to get the last and final, um, death parade, uh, up on the Patreon, uh, before the end of September. Um, and we will try to do that. We will figure that out so that you won't be charged for October when we when we shut down and go oh, we, to our new format. I do believe Patreon allows you to actually disable billing for particular months as well. So we can just do that if we run over. Mm. Oh, well, that sounds fantastic. Who knew? Had a Patreon for years. Didn't know that. <laughs> Boom, baby. <Ta-da! laughs> so, oh, yep. Back of the net. Love it. All right. So that's our housekeeping stuff out of the way. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for everyone who supports be patrons or not. That is appreciated. The pod will continue. The show must oh, yeah. go on. Uh, and it's going to go on right now, I think, actually. <laughs> uh, with us talking about Odd Taxi. So, again, just a quick reminder while we're still doing this format. Second stream, there is no plot summary. We are just going to go into questions and talking points and context will be provided as we go for mm-hmm. what is going on. Uh, but otherwise, we're also assuming you have seen the episodes yet. I can say with absolute certainty that if you are inexplicably somehow watching this and have not watched, or sorry, listened to our first Odd Taxi podcast, and have also somehow fit into the very tiny Venn diagram of people who've also not seen the show, um, turn this the fuck off right what now. <laughs> Unless you're driving, in which, well, turn it off when you're driving, and then just pull over for a bit and You've been watch the entire show. <laughs> Yeah, something. T- take the time. Take the time to watch the entire show. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just do it. It's that fucking good. It is. It is. Um, and before we get to our questions, um, 
I will talk about episode directors uh, really briefly. Oh, yes. Here. Uh, so, creatives. I'm going to look at three episode directors. Um, so, first of all, we're going to look at Shigeki Awai, who directed episode five. And let me tell you, Shigeki Awai's CV, massive. Oh. Like, not necessarily like uh, Megumi Hayashibara massive, um, but pretty damn long. Uh, and, you know, this looks like someone who's been working consistently since at least the late 80s. So, um, as far as CV length is concerned, we're talking SpongeBob unrolling a scroll joke here. Yeah. Where it goes on and on and on and comes through <laughs> the windows. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I was going to say 90s, but like as I'm scrolling, I caught that uh, they did key animation for three episodes of Super Beast Machine God Dan Cougar. And I'm like, well, that's an 80s mecha show. So their career goes back very far. I mean, done a lot of different stuff like good and bad and mostly like key animation um some episode direction in there you know there's like several loop in the third specials a whole bunch of food wars um some animation on uh parts of both uh el hazard oavs you got your your gundam um macross frontier uh, yes even we got uh what episode uh, is the Macross Frontier. It is key animation for episode 12. And then a few different Gundams. Um, key animation for 11 episodes of Zeta Gundam and 7 episodes of Double Zeta. So, and that was like, yeah, that was the mid-80s. So, Z- D- uh, Zeta's 85 uh, or 84. So, and then, I mean, straight through like the 90s with things like Nana and... um. What's another 90s show? I see some 2000s, early aughts ones like Scrap Princess. Uh, current stuff, relatively current stuff like, of course, Odd Taxi. Uh, and Rolling Girls. Um, and it's, like I said, mostly key animation. Every once in a while, they'll direct something like the Taboo Charming Mother OAV. I have to now click on this to see what this is. I was uh, going to say, though, Doc, when you oh were listening to all that stuff. Boy. Off, oh, boy. <laughs> it is... Uh, I'll tell you the three themes that Anime News Network has for Taboo mm. Charming Mother. I wonder what they might be. Hentai. Okay. Incest. Mm-hmm. Mothers. I'm closing Wait. this window now. Oh, oh yeah, you, you know what? <laughs> I, I so, mean... he directed a hentai. Uh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, so like I said, really, I mean, just a, a, some Yu-Gi-Oh, some Precure, that, so, Transformers. Sorry, that, 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 that fucking special you mentioned, what was that localized to in the West? Was it called Wedded Pussy? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, it looks like it's just taboo charming. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I say that in the same way, like Doc's just going to be there driving home later. And it's just going to pop into his head and he's going to feel utterly, utterly ashamed. If it is the reason that we need to bin our Patreon, this is because I make <laughs> jokes like that. Anyway, do carry on. It looks like Taboo Charming Mother is the is the localized title. It's just called Enbo in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Fantastic. Uh, so <laughs> the next episode director we're going to talk about is uh, Kenichi Nishida. Um, not not as intimidating uh, of a CV. Hasn't been in the industry, you know, as long, but uh, has done a lot of storyboarding actually um, for Hungry Heart Wild Striker, like half that show storyboarded. Um, some Hunter Hunter OAVs. I guess those are actually from the late 90s, early aughts. So so it goes back farther in time than I thought. Has been working on a fr- uh, the franchise called Mysterious Joker. Is that Kaito Joker? Is that is that what that is? Um, yes. Okay, I have seen some of the show. That's a fun little kid's anime about a, a master thief. I, I really like that. That's, that's a cool show. But all four seasons of that um, they've worked on. Um, this is a random thing I've seen. Little Women 2, Joe's Boys, production advancement. <laughs> so some literary fare in the catalog of uh, Kenichi Nishida. I'm trying to see if there's anything that uh, that our audience would particularly enjoy. I mean, Cooking Master Boy, I really like. <laughs> Doraemon. Uh-huh. Uh, all I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt, but all I could think when you were saying all this was, it's going to turn out he worked with the previous person on that hentai. No. <laughs> I was just waiting for that to happen. No. I, I wanted to, yeah. to, to be the timeline we lived in, where you were going to go through all the craze yeah. of these episodes of Odd Taxi, and it would be a reunion of Hello. people who works on that fucking... <laughs> oh. um, nothing else, really. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on here. There's still, like, Fantastic Children. Like, I really like Fantastic Children, the anime, but I know that one's not on many people's radars but yeah that's um the person who directed uh episodes two six and nine of odd taxi so we've seen two of their contributions one still to come and then we're gonna look at the episode director of episodes three seven and twelve um mayu numayama so they have a very short CV. It's like seven items long. And in addition to the Odd Taxi stuff, they directed a couple episodes of Major, the second. I think actually all three of the people that we have looked at today have been involved with Major. So they've worked together before on some stuff. Is Major the second an OLM show? I'm looking this up now with my very slow internet as we speak. Um... Insert your new trial disc. Don't forget. I know. I know. Um, where is that studio? In ANN, it's hard to find this. It's much easier to find. Oh, there we go. Japanese Companies Animation Production OLM. I was correct. Good instinct, self. Nice. <laughs> Ding. Uh, yes. So, uh, Numiyama san has also directed two episodes of Aikatsu. Very popular magical girl television show um something called cinderella nine an episode there uh uh and kamisama um minarai uh a couple the tv series and movie um did some episode directing and unit directing there so uh smaller smaller cv i'm guessing this person is newer to the industry or at least you know just less experienced but I've enjoyed their work thus far on Ontaxi. Excellent. So that's all we have this week. Sweet. You. 
All right, then. Uh, let's, in that case, uh, you know, uh, keep on driving, keep on going towards our destination here. Let's take a brief stop over at, um, you know, Patron Question Town. And we're going to start with a pair of questions from uh, Rackham. Uh, shout out to you, Rackham. Thank you for your support. Thank why you do... for being awesome. Sorry. Why do I always think Aikatsu is a magical girl show? Uh, Yukinon in chat says it's an idol show. Um, I don't know. I Maybe it's to do with the presentation uh, and the fandoms that I, in my head, thought bled over. Like, I guess I saw the same people that were talking about Precure, talking about Aikatsu, and saw the art and just assumed. But, um, yeah. It's from a collectible card game. So, yep, it's an idol show, so I need to fix that in my brain. It might take a few mm-hmm. tries, but thank you, Yukinon, for letting me know. Anyway, please we'll continue. Do, we'll, we'll, we'll sort the firmware out, don't mm-hmm. worry. Um, right, so first two questions from Rackham. Uh, the first one, um, what, if any, real-life social media stunts does Kabasawas, that's the hippo kid who's uh, really into becoming a viral uh, social media celebrity? Internet Batman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What oh, he wishes. Uh, what does his online calling out slash challenge of Dobu remind you of? Okay, so I need to provide a bit of context for this before I give my answer because uh, this also, by the way, just as a preface, is probably going to lead into what might very well be Wari Desho's first Snopes article on us uh, because I'm I tried to look up the thing I'm going to provide the example of here, like because I remember reading about it many many years ago. And I couldn't find it on first glance. Um, I'd have to dig a little deeper. I didn't have the time to do so. So take my example with a pinch of salt in his anecdotal memory and could very well be wrong. But anyway, um, for context, what happens in these episodes is that um, completely separately to whatever Dobu's doing, uh, Taichi, the character we met in episode four, uh, is still pursuing Odakawa and at one point follows him into a club, which he has been invited to by the other kid with the uh, winning lottery ticket. Um, but point being, he goes in there with Dobu's gun, sh- fires a bullet into the ceiling and basically terrorizes the place looking for Odakawa. Doesn't find it because Odakawa managed to sneak out. Um, but what happens is that Taichi, uh, that being uh, Kawasawa, mm-hmm. uh, the hippo kid, um, he has at this point gone viral and assumed that, like the responsibility of tracking down Dobu. Like, you know, because he's a criminal and he needs to be brought to justice. But... Taichi, and I want to use the hugest of all pins in this for my latest talking point, Taichi uh, identifies Dobu as the person who committed uh, the assault or the, you know, like the the terrorist acts, whatever you want to call it, basically, on the club, when it clearly was not him. Um, and this then resultantly leads into him getting more accumulated internet fame and following. He has a bunch of people scouring the streets for Dobu, including a Halloween parade, where one particular individual um, is thought to be um, uh, to be uh, the school kid, like the, uh, the uh, sorry, to be um, I, I'm getting all names down. You know what I mean? You know the kid. Yeah, yeah. Touch. So yeah, yeah, let me find yeah, him. So he's it's, it's um, a, yeah, it's a meshing of Hajime. basically coins. Tanaka, that's it. He's supposed to be Tanaka. Um, and so the, all these, like, coincidences again, because our taxi is all about, like, the tapestry of, like, you know, how people weave together, like, you know, and how it's so, actually a smaller world than you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> and the area of this is also unfortunately delicious in that um, 
Dobu is mistaken for Tai Chi, and in turn, Dobu is attacking someone who he believes is Tai Chi. <laughs> yes. Be- which is horrible. But make no mistake, Joe Kine, though I might, this particular individual gets the shit kicked out of him by Dobu. He is brutally beaten. Like, he's bleeding in the alleyway that he's left in. Um, and there's a little bit afterwards where, um, because Odakawa is with him, um, Kabasawa actually films Dobu, like, you know, in the aftermath of this act. And in turn, uh, catches Odakawa's voice, but not his face, uh, which is key here, uh, on the video. And then believes that someone in his own little vigilante group that he's created has betrayed them. Because how else would anyone recognize right. him in that mask? Mm-hmm. But that's a separate point I'm going to come back to later. So that's your context here. And now I'm going to go on to my example. And this still haunts me to this day. And I, again, must apologize for not having been able to find this beforehand. I'll try and find it in the coming days because it happened many, many years back. But there was a guy in Birmingham who was of, I think he was Asian or possibly even Indian descent. Uh, I think he might well have been Indian, right? And he was a gentleman who, I don't remember the exact condition he had. Uh, We would describe him as special needs, which I know is not the correct term for that. But again, I'm going out dosely and my memory is very moth-eaten on this. Uh, I wonder why that might be, by the way. But anyway. Uh -uh. And what this particular person liked to do was he liked to take photographs of everything. So he'd go out and he'd take photographs of the neighborhood he lived in, uh, you know, the community, the parks, and resultantly, the people in these parks, Mm. which included children. Mm. Now, here's the thing, right? This particular person was not a pedophile. He did not have any interest in taking pictures of children specifically. He just took pictures of everything. And unfortunately, he had no concepts of the fact that people might not want pictures taken of them, you know? Sure. But that's just what he liked to do because that was a function of his condition. Um, Now, a bunch of people in the community became aware of this. And this resulted in them forming a Facebook group to basically find him and they murdered him. They killed him for that. When he actually hadn't committed any crime at least not in law, the only crime he arguably committed if he wanted to expand outside the law was just the fact that he had no idea that what he was doing might be viewed by people as, you know, an invasion of privacy and possibly also as a lead into, you know, child abuse and all that. And this is the thing that I find really chilling about what Kabasawa has done. Because it's not... Like, I would feel... Uh, this still makes me, make me sound awful, but I would feel better about what happened here if he was the one who got the shit kicks out of him, not this completely random person. Oh, totally. Yeah, he has brought this completely, like, innocent individual under his, like, you know, in his slipstream of chasing mm-hmm. after Dobu, um, and it's gotten them really hurt as a result. Yeah. Like, he is playing with forces he does not comprehend, although arguably the result of the Dobu seems like to feel that same way too, just about a different thing, which again, just goes to show how this, this text yeah. here does great, like parallels, contrasts, ironies, yeah. you name and, it. And uh, Shun Imai as well is a big, the, the skunk question mark guy who won the lottery. Ugh. Definitely like <laughs> messing around, like, you know, Oh, it's just online. Right. And uh, yeah. yeah, there's a rude awakening in store for, for him. Can I, <laughs> 
Can I put something crazy into context, by the way, about sure. his uh, particular decision with the lottery ticket while we're here? Sure. Uh, he says he's going to cash it around the time that Mystery Kiss's single comes out because he wants to spend it on their singles. That's correct, I believe. Um, now, here's the thing, right? That is already absurd in its own right. Because why would he want to spend like his billion yen on all those singles? But I noticed on one of the flyers for Mystery Kiss, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm mm -hmm. fairly confident right. It was going to be released on Christmas Day. I think where so. Where are we currently? Where are we currently in the year? Where in, are in the we? Shows in the year? I don't know. Are, Halloween. Are Halloween. Okay. Because it takes place okay. Halloween the okay. parade. So two full fucking months. Wow. Before he cashes that. Okay. And he's outed the fact that he has got the winning ticket on social media. He's put a fucking bullseye over him, mm -hmm. the moron. Yeah. Like, in an ideal world, no one would, of course, bother him or, like, harm him. They'd be like, hey, congrats, dude, you won. Way, well, yay, that's great. But I'm sorry. Uh, you know, if I won the lottery tomorrow, you know what I would do? I would tell not a fucking living soul on this earth. I would not say anything. I would just keep it as quiet as I possibly could. And I would... Like, and never mind, like, waiting to cash the ticket. The moment I revealed that it was mine, I'd be like, right, fucking dial the phone, give me my fucking money, and I'm just gonna, yeah. like, I don't know, go to a bar or something and just drink to calm my nerves. <laughs> but anyway, totally. yeah, that's the... To, to get to get back on track to Rahim's question, that's the event that reminds me of where there are... Because basically, forming vigilante justice, you know, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. even if a person has committed crimes can have serious, if not fatal, consequences. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a desire for people out there to, like, you know, do things when the police can't or won't. And that, funnily enough, is also something our taxi addresses through the Daimon Brothers, uh, which we will get to separately in a future question, uh, a future point of discussion. Uh, but, like, there's a reason that, you know, there is procedure and, you know, innocents who prove them guilty and all that. Um, and also the fact that beyond all th all this, Dobu is a violent criminal who will beat the man to death. And like Kabasawa, for all that he might potentially have noble intentions, but really he's just doing it for his own fame. Thank like you. he hides. He's a coward. He doesn't go to school anymore. Uh, he, you know, he's doing it from the safety of like a YouTube call out video, which is honestly cowardly. It's like all reactionaries on the internet, basically, at this point, where they'll make call they'll make call outs of people, but they'll never front with them, you know. Yeah. I mean, to answer Rackham's question, I don't really have um, an incident that this reminds me of. Like in particular, like I think of things that are dissimilar. You know, you're gonna be like, "Why did you think of that?" What it made me think of was. Do you, remember, do you remember that time Lauren Southern got kicked off of Patreon? Oh, was that because she wanted to murder immigrants in the yes. sea? So she was taking like videos of like her. Yeah, like cha they were chasing like the boat that she said had immigrants on it, you know, and she was like, we're going to keep these people from from getting into the country. Uh, it wasn't America. I think it was another country, but. It, it might very well have been the uh, English French Channel, possibly. Or, no, actually, it wasn't. Um, it's a Scandinavian again, country. I don't remember. Anyway, it was. It was over on this side of the Atlantic, mm, okay. basically. 
Yeah. Um, that's all I re- really recall. But you know, the thing is though, Doc, you say like that that might not connect, but it actually does in a way. And this will lead me on to another example I'll give that this reminded me of. Oh, go on. No, sorry, go on. After oh you. yeah. No, I was going to, th- that's what I was going to say is that it's like, it's not like on the surface similar, but it is cowards, as you say, like doing something like kind of masquerading as what they say is is just or noble chest pumping but like is really just you know nakedly pursuing their own fame and Mm -hmm. other people getting getting hurt i mean there have probably been like just a whole ton of innocent bystanders that like get get hurt from online initiatives or call outs or whatever because they're misidentified or you know i mean there's that's that kind of collateral damage probably happens way more than we even know um mm-hmm. and and it just it sucks because <laughs> people yeah. want to play detective absolutely um i'll add one other thing on top of this which i will just further clarify the point i'm going to get to which is there's another example I can think of where I don't think there was necessarily active maliciousness as there was just bonehead stupidity. Mm-hmm. And also, most of the point that ties all three things together that we've discussed, all three examples of this what included, which is there is a distinction between the world of information and the world of human interaction that comes to you through your computer or your phone versus what you see in real life. Because... I mean, to go to your Lawrence Southern example, like how many times have immigrants been demonized as this invading, colonizing army when that's not true, when you see them on the ground and you have the appropriate context for it. Um, And then, of course, going back to my original example, if, you know, the people who decide that they would murder this man um, actually, you know, went to the police or maybe spoke to his family or his care workers or anything like that, and I must again stress that I'm speaking strictly from my memory here and not from actual written facts so i could be remembering this wrong and i will be happy to correct otherwise but Mm -hmm. nonetheless the core idea between all these is that there is a distinction between like the reality as perceived through the internet um or through like you know online interaction and from at a distance rather than hands-on interaction versus the real world and this then leads me to my next one and my final one i'll mention before we move on from this question which is I hope none of you actually know this person in person or know of him in general, but who here has heard of Logan Paul? Oh, <laughs> and probably everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sadly, sadly, probably everyone. So here's the thing. I don't think Logan Paul, from what I've seen of him, is a white supremacist malicious prick like Lauren Southern, for example, despite all attempts of rehabilitating her. I think he is just ignorant, shall we say. And that's the point I'm going to bring up here, because even though he is ignorant, the same idea of the reality of the world that he lives in and cultivates around himself, uh, like Lauren, uh, like those people, the vigilante group I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever means they use to cultivate that, they unfortunately sometimes run really hard headfirst into, uh, you know, the real world. And I'm thinking of that uh, much maligned trip that he took to Japan where he went to a forest... Yes. That was uh, oh. notably a yes. That was notably um, a hotspot of suicide uh, of suicide attempts and actual suicides, where they found a man hanging in there. And his reaction to it was, of course, to treat it in his usual jovial manner. 
And here's the thing, right? Again, I must stress, to give him the, I don't know, the five cent credit he has deserved, I don't think he's a malicious person like Lauren Southern. I don't think so. I could be wrong on that. Sure, maybe someone could cite some evidence that shows him, like, you know, saying that QAnon is the best thing to ever happen to America. <laughs> I don't fucking not. know. No. Do do tell me if it exists. I'm happy to be corrected on this. I think but my it, point... either It was either him or his brother last summer that actually was talking about being an anti-racist, kind of riding the mm. wave of BLM and the protests that were happening and, you know, mm. all over America. So... Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would lean in the direction that you're that you're leaning in as well. Mm-hmm. Although one must also be careful to acknowledge that in those cases, like any actual support could very well be performative rather sure. than rather than genuine. But to the point here, he similarly, of course, ran into the hard reality of the world around him that did not, you know, match his like you know, prankster, jokester nature, basically, and. All of these examples we've given, and going back to Kabasawa in the show, of course, uh, there is a distinction to be made between the presence one has in an online, disconnected, virtual social world versus the hard, like, you know, grit of reality. Um, And, yeah... I'm really happy the show went as far as it did, even though I feel bad for the person it happened to, to show that there are real fucking consequences to that. Um, This is very smart. Very smart. Yeah. And I will actually uh, go further into that point later, because there's even more to say about it that I think we need to address in terms of how uh, people um, try and, like, you know... In fact, no, you know what? Let's do it right now. I'll get into this quickly because it actually won't take me too long, but I want to point this out. Can I ask you a question about the show, Doc, and rather specifically about Dobu? No. Okay, fine. <laughs> this is... Thank you very much for watching, ladies and No, no, of course. Yeah, okay. hit, hit me. So, ask your monkey question. Okay. Do you think Dobu deserves to go to prison? Yes. Do you think he deserves to go to prison for a crime he has not committed? Uh, n- n- no. Um, you talking about the bank robbery? No, I'm talking about the... One that um, Kabasar accuses him of the uh, the club. Oh, uh, right. No, uh, no, no, no. There's plenty Ooh. of other crimes he has actually committed. <laughs> and he yes, for exactly. So I want to let's talk about this briefly with Kabasawa here because okay. Kabasawa, from like literally the moment we met him in the earlier episodes, he has sought out social media fame and prominence, and he is doing exactly the thing that I think a lot of people tend to do when they actively seek that out, mm-hmm. which is he eliminates and discards nuance and context. The show is never didactic about this, but it's clear that he will put the entire woes of Tokyo on Dobu's shoulders if it advances his like you know social media message. And this yeah. ties back to the example I gave where, you know, like prosecute people for the crimes they have committed but not those they haven't like there's plenty on dobu's rap sheet as is to put him away we've seen that we've seen him threatening odakawa with a gun that unless like you know japan's legal system is incredibly lax uh you know is his fault and he deserves to go to prison for that maybe not necessarily for very long depending on how the legal code works but nonetheless we have seen crimes be committed by him um, by the way, this distinction also between us 
and Kabasawa is important, um, also to be in the audience, which I'll get to in a moment. But that is a thing I think the show is really, really genius about in that it has revealed without explaining it in like, you know, blunt terms that people who actively pursue social media um, positions of like, you know, number of followers, like fame, like, you know, all that kind of thing where they make it big in being like an influencer or whatever, uh, sometimes uh, or even most of the time will abandon context, nuance, gray area in favor of that. Like, to Kabasao, whether he realizes or not, the fact that Dobu didn't do the thing that, like, he accused him of is irrelevant. It's getting him the numbers. It's getting him the clicks. And how many times can we point to various right-wing websites like Breitbart, for example, <laughs> who will completely pretzel twist a story of something mostly, if not entirely innocuous, to, you know, sell their clicks, to sell their merch, oh, yeah. you name it. It, I, I really appreciate the show. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate the show nailing this dead. Um, I think it's a great point to make. Um, I'll get back to this later because I don't want to go away too uh, too far away from the patron questions here. But I do also think there's an argument made in the counter in that one should not throw the baby out of the bathwater. I mean, social media can be a force for good. We just sometimes tend to focus too much on it being the thing in which, you know, people start saying that you can take horse pills or whatever to get rid of COVID. <laughs> right, right, the dewormer. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a hint. If it's got a horse on the box, you probably shouldn't have it unless you're a horse. Man, or possibly a... Gail from Coronation Street, but that's that's neither here nor there. So bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, the... but um, uh, Gogo in chat brought up a really good example, actually, that, that seems super duper like yeah this is exactly it uh at the time reddit thought it had identified the boston bomber and it was just a normal person like with with a similar backpack um and they got a lot of shit so that was uh that 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 man could have been fucking killed yes exactly um uh, but but like you said i mean uh, you made the point for me that i was gonna make at the end here is that like uh sorry sorry no that's all right no no no. you said it well i mean mm-hmm. that i don't think uh, us or the show is like unilaterally saying that people like that social media or that people kind of carrying cameras around everywhere is like inherently bad um, because a lot of really, really good things have happened uh, due to the prevalence of that tech. But, you know, it's all in human hands and, you know, we screw it up a lot of the time. Uh, and in the same kind of ways over and over in these really insidious ways. And, yeah, I think Kawasawa is is doing that. And then in in a more, like, overt way uh rui nikado uh or nikaido rather sorry is is also kind of doing that i was very surprised at some some stuff that happened with rui in these episodes <laughs> let me tell you yeah there's a there's a gray line in a lot of what happens in our text between what is considered crime that the populace cares about versus the very real and serious crimes and exploitation that's going on round right their noses that everyone seems comfortable with. They're just going to sweep under the rug. Yeah. But we're going to get back to that yeah. later. 
Totally. Okay. Next question from Rackham. Uh, in what ways do you feel the show addresses the way technology has changed and or impacted the current generational divide and how older people feel and try to resist or adapt to it? Hmm. Hmm. I... Hmm. That's a, that's a big one. Um, I, I know that Dobu seems to be struggling with technology because he's never... Like, he's got a lynch mob on him that he can't see and he seems to struggle <laughs> with that fact. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe... Um, uh, gosh. I can't think of his name. One of the the, the boar of the homo... Uh, Shibagaki. Yes, that's um, the guy. Maybe Shibagaki is is kind of an example because... He seems to be a character who is very much like, ah, the old days, you know, uh, the comedians, they're no, no, like they're all uh, wanting to not hurt people's feelings. And that doesn't really make people laugh. And um, he doesn't really seem to be uh, too invested with tech, whereas Baba, his partner, is uh, ah. getting a lot more traction in his career. And I don't know if it's necessarily because of networking stuff, but well, that being said, that being said, I can point to one other example of a character who has been affected by technology in a horrendously negative way. Um, Kaki, Kaki Hane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can, can we? Can we? Can we just pour one out for poor Kaki Hane because Kaki Cash. I felt so. I felt so awful for him throughout. I know this is bonus. horrible. Like it's heartbreaking. This is horrendous. I mean, I mean, had it turned like just to put this in context again because it's the second stream, uh, Kakihana, like we discussed last time, I mentioned like, hey, maybe she hosts genuine, you know, like who knows? Uh, we'll see what turns out. And no, she's the worst kind of, uh, you so, know, so con far. woman. Yeah, yeah. working, working, working under um, the guy who runs her band, basically to catfish people for their money. Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, quote unquote, but uh, Kakihana, like, you know, he had no money and he pretended he did. So it's a compounding problem on problem here because mm-hmm. her, I mean, you know, Robin Hood it all you want. It's still not good for her to be stealing from the rich, I would argue. All that being said, I did watch Hustlers recently, the JLo film that was about stealing from the rich and I quite enjoyed that. So maybe I'm talking like as a hypocrite here. Anyway, point being, Kakihana is an actually... Uh, taken to a warehouse and has the shit beaten out of him by a new character, although referenced before, Yano. Um, right. And is essentially just having, you know, just being tortured for, well, as bait, basically, to, in an, ex- like, a long-winded scheme to bring out, um, I forget, what was his name again, the skunk guy, Imai, there we go, uh, mm-hmm. to get his billion-dollar lottery ticket. Um, I mean... When was the last like the last time that we saw a lottery ticket having this much value? I think in anime was in Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's been Shit. it's been a while. <laughs> by by which I mean narrative value. I don't know how much the lottery ticket win was in Tokyo Godfathers off the top of my head. I'm sure someone could tell me. But anyway, um, here's the thing, right? Kakiana is about the same age as Odakawa, if not similar or close. And Odakawa is in his forties, mm-hmm. like his early forties, mm-hmm. um, and he has decided to go on social media and dating sites to find himself. So on so And I can't help but wonder, like, the comparison between him and Imai. Because Imai has an affection for Rui, but it's not the same as Kakao's, even though they are, te- there's, like, the members of the same band. You know? Um, there is, I think, a distinction here between the relative savviness. I say relative savviness here, 
um, of old versus new, uh, old versus young, rather, I mean to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kakihana, like, he didn't seem to recognize or understand the possibility that every presenting to him on that profile was a facade. Couldn't it was fake. even imagine. It was fiction. Even though, one must know, he himself was faking it. Yep. Like, he had the horse blinders on. He was unaware that his own duplicity could be in other people. Um, yep. Yep. Which is fucking Shakespearean, almost, it is. I must say. He made a series of increasingly, like, bad choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think he deserved what happened to him or anything, but consequences came calling, and they were yeah. rough. Yeah, and I wonder if that's Odd Taxi's way of pointing out that maybe people who are older are more susceptible to online duplicity. Although that being said, one must then also consider how many people are being duped by Kabasawa's bullshit because he offers no evidence. Like he, like his his videos are entirely sensationalist nonsense. Yeah. Like he has pictures of Dobu walking the street. Unless he was fucking jaywalking, and I don't even know if that's a crime in Japan or not. I don't think that's, like, you know, evidence enough. Like, you need actual concrete proof of what he's doing. Although, then again, I should also note that Kabasara, at the very end of episode, like, on the end of episode 8, accuses one of his own followers of writing him out, but actually, it was Odakawa who was there, like, with Dogu, so... Yeah, yeah, and, you know, the it, it seems like that younger people, like, college-age students, are the the people that are getting uh, sort of wise to tai chi's game you know they're the ones who are like well he's just a coward around here we don't really he doesn't really have a lot of truck with us <laughs> so yeah uh, mm-hmm. maybe that's more evidence as well uh what what uh rackham is getting at mm-hmm. absolutely but yeah i think i think it goes to show like that the like f- Younger people like Kabasawa can exploit social media. Older people like um, Kakiana are exploited by it. And you know what's funny? Look at like all the trends we see of like disinformation. People who believe, again, jokes I made, <clears throat> that horsey wormer is a COVID cure. I'm willing to bet you that the correlation between <laughs> people most likely to believe it and age is a linear upwards trend. It is, but I don't know... If I don't know if this is like a thesis of the show, right? Because no, because you have you know Shun Mi, a young person who drastically has really stepped in it when it comes to tech. I mean, he has stepped in a giant bear trap just by like. I mean, maybe there's different ways that you can misunderstand or mishandle tech. You know, like you were talking about. Um, nobu who kind of or sorry dobu doesn't uh just kind of doesn't get it or or um shibagaki um then you have people that do get it but they just kind of don't like <laughs> like they 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 really don't apprehend the gravity or enormity of what can happen like they don't really say oh it's just online like it's just my buddies but like mm-hmm. you know the fucking lottery picture as we talked about is gonna drastically affect his life you know then you have you know uh, someone who we didn't really check in so much on in these set of episodes tanaka hajime like totally boned by true by true. tech um and it's really gotcha game. Yeah, him him. gotcha games ebay like um really 
yeah, I mean, his his life was not necessarily great apart from that, but like they're really dragging him down to like rock bottom. So you you know you know maybe you're absolutely right there, and that perhaps one should make broad statements sometimes about the show's um, like assertions because I mean, attack. Uh, sorry, like you know, as you rightly point out, like small detail I liked. He's wearing a skull mask. He is literally just dying like he looks like he's decaying he's running away mm. like how he looks physically is of course a visual metaphor for who he is as a person at this point um if this were a different kind of show that was more fantastical he'd probably be a zombie but that's the kind of thing he's getting out there where it's a metaphor for his inner soul basically that he is decayed and rotted mm-hmm. um a, a lesser show would have outright dropped the term red pill or black pill at this point for him <laughs> right it's you, you know I'm, you it's know I'm right, but I'm very, and I'm glad that Odd Taxi didn't, of course, because that would have been too on the nose. Um, so I, maybe, I... maybe to answer Rackham's point here, um, maybe it isn't as simple as that. Maybe technology like distorts people based on age in different ways, mm-hmm. but the ways can be very nuanced um, and not necessarily down to broad strokes. I mean, it would be one thing for me to point out that Kabasawa ignores all context and nuance in this show or the events of the show, and then for me to try and make broad stroke assertions about no. it. And I don't think Odd Taxi falls into that trap. I think it's actually better than that. And it, yeah. it defies easy, like, broad stroke analysis, which, hey, fair fucking play to it. Who am I to argue with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think it's making, like, an ageist assertion or anything like that. It's like, no. yeah, it's just tech it can really like people can use it to to hurt and do use it to hurt other people of all stripes uh and we can misunderstand or misuse it or we ourselves can hurt other people by not fully grasping what we're doing you know no matter how like adept we are with its use or no matter how integrated it is into our lives and you know i i just want to echo something you said earlier just i just feel so bad for kakihana like yeah. I mean I know he did make some some poor choices. You know, he's no uh he's no angel <laughs> as they say. But like man, I mean he just really like I I feel like his poor choices like it's it's when I look at him and what led up to to it and kind of the way his life has gone, it's hard for me to be too mad at him. You know what I mean? Like he's like in his mid forties and is really poor, has no prospects. Like he just, you know, a little white lie because he wants like to connect with someone and have some romance in his life and everything. And, you know, it, 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 he, that keeps escalating and he just is, makes some really, really stupid decisions. But like, God, I mean, it just, there are these characters that, throughout the show are making really bad decisions that are intentionally about hurting other people and they haven't been yeah. brutalized as much as Kakiana. So I just feel so bad for yeah. him. I, I mean, for, for, for Kakiana, it started with a burning pot roast in the oven and it ended in Aur- Aurora Borealis. So right. there you go. Right. Um, but I also want to give the show real credit here um, with its portrayal of Kakiana's situation. Because again, without being didactic, uh, it doesn't, for example, give us any of his inner monologues where, like, you know, he would be thinking, like, I've made so many mistakes and invites us to, in a very, like, 
open, like honest, how do I put it, like very blunt way uh, to feel sympathetic for him. Like it doesn't do that, but nor does it belittle him. Mm-hmm. He goes through awful stuff in the show. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the fact that he gets the shit kicks out of him in a warehouse because he lied about like how much money he had. I'm talking about the fact that he is desperately trying to like you know acclimatize himself to upper class society that he has no understanding of. Like, oh, uh, you know, I how do I get my wine refilled? Yeah, or when he's or even the sound design of when he's cutting up his food and it's just making that awful scraping noise that sounds like nails on a chartboard, like. Man, it's... that's happening that's oh. happening but like we never are meant never feel like we should mock him or belittle him no we feel sympathy for him and i must again stress that this all comes from the root of feeling like he has to present himself as being wealthier than he is mm-hmm. because that's a part of like what's codified into his dating profile and amongst other things like that, that that's why he spent so much time like saying oh i'm actually over three hundred thousand a year there we go off yeah. we go bye 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 I hope things turn out well okay. for him. I have some hope yeah. that, I mean, because people's circumstances change pretty drastically in this show from episode to episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really hopeful that, you know, through some absurd turn of events that, you know, he's, he's put, he's put on a good path to, to end the show. But like, I mean, yeah. when he had to call his mom, I mean, that was some, that was some brutal shit. <laughs> like, that was awful. God. <laughs> Just want to be like Yamamoto, yeah. you dick, <laughs> Yano, you oh, piece man. of garbage. God damn it! Uh, okay, we'll move. Uh, do you have any else to answer those questions? Nope. Stop before we move on. Okay, mm. so uh, thank you for those questions, Rackham. Mm-hmm. Next pair comes from Re underscore Q or Riku again, not the Riku from Final Fantasy X. Just to be clear, uh, the first question: How are the police presented in our taxi up to this point, and what might this contribute to its portrayal or portrait of crime and society? All right. First thing off the bat, I want to point out is this: uh, It would be naive of me to not acknowledge in recent years how we, as a society, as a world, as a community, like all that sort of thing, have seen critiques of the police as systemic failures, like systemic racism in police i mean that's been going on in the uk since 1990s mm-hmm. when i say that, i don't mean to say that systemic racism started in the 90s but rather it was more openly acknowledged through right. things like the mcpherson report when stephen lawrence was murdered um but i think that with the best will in the world odd taxi doesn't want to be a systemic critique of the police mm. it doesn't want to say acab it doesn't want to say that it doesn't want to you know do that kind of stuff um, if anything, it reminds me a lot of, in its portrayal of police, of Sarah's and Mai, where the systems surrounding the right. police are what corrupted Rayo and Mabu in that case, and they did so here with one of the two Diamond Brothers, the older one. Um, and I think this is actually a really nice part of how it presents these characters as animals, which is something I'm going to get into separately, because these episodes finally tip their hand, I think, into why... Uh, the characters are animals from a uh, narrative sense rather than just an aesthetic choice. Mm-hmm. But the Diamond characters... Now, this is the point where I expose my real ignorance here. Yeah. I don't know offhand what exact animal they're meant to be. Is it raccoon? I'm not sure. Oh, I thought that they were dogs. <laughs> dogs? Dogs, raccoons. Let me look. I'll, I'll see if, uh, if the... No, it just says... Yeah, it just says older brother, younger brother... I, well, I I thought the like the dogs with the you know bandit mask faces 
<laughs> Maybe I, they're not panda bears because they're skinny. That, they're beetles from Pokemon. There we go. <laughs> yes. Okay. So here's the thing, right? What it it ultimately actually in this case doesn't fully enough matter what species they are, but rather that they are, as presented in the show, the same species. These two brothers. Yep. In fact, they look almost exactly alike, save for the fact that one wears glasses and the other one does not. Uh, Rackham has confirmed they are meerkats, which I'm entirely okay with. Oh, that actually gosh. makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense actually. Now that I think about huh. it, for a police unit. Well, if they if one of them takes off their their cop hat and they have like a red tuft, then we'll know. Yeah, I mean, it, hell, it, good thing they didn't take up a life of crime. They'd already have the domino mask on. That's right. They? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it does ultimately the actual Profiling. species they are isn't important but the fact that they are both the same species and indeed the brothers who look practically identical save for that is what is important they even have very similar names they are about as same in origin as one can get they might even well be twins i think they might actually be twins yeah yeah so they came from the same origin point but ultimately diverged in different directions where the older brother uh became a crooked cop he took bribes like you know he's working with dobu he's working with you know um Yano's gang. He, basically, he's on the take, whereas the younger Daimon is not. He's idealistic, but he can't believe what his older brother is doing. And so, I think this goes to show um, that in this particular story, that the way in which police become corrupt is not necessarily a systemic thing, because if it were, it would have happened to both of them, given they came through basically the same. They are they are functionally the same person up until a point. Um, but rather that I think, um, as happens with a lot of the characters in the show, very specific circumstances came to them that changed their behaviour for better or worse. Like, someone approached, like, the elder Diamond brother at some point and was like, hey, you know, would you do me a favour and just look the other way for this one traffic violation? And then you can see how things blossom out from there. Whereas the other one, um, you know, remained idealistic. And so Odd Taxi, in my opinion, rather than being a systemic critique of police brutality, as we see in real life where people criticise that, or indeed in other shows, um, it instead shows that like the things that like distort uh, the police are outside influences of criminality and all that, and ultimately money and capitalism. That's what it boils down to, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think to fully answer this question, I'm gonna need to wait and s- for the other shoe to drop with, yeah, with Kinshiro Daimon, the older brother, and really kind of see what's going on, like what's making him tick, um, like why is he doing the things that he's doing? I mean, it wouldn't shock me if like he still sort of like you know has noble ideals but he's made compromises like because he's like oh it's in service of the greater good or whatever um i mean i I do agree with you that it seems like at this point the show is not really taking aim at at institutions uh at, at least not like really going both barrels um you know it seems to be interested in the human stories of these two guys who are cops and yeah i I just am really curious about the older brother and kind of why why he is behaving the way he is like why why is he now crooked um what what is going what is going on there and 
you know, I think that like these these two characters are, you know, just pr- are presented as very much individuals, like, uh, very much like these are just two guys, and they're not a lot different uh, in in a lot of ways from other people in the show. Like, I mean, um, uh, gosh, what is her name? Main alpaca lady. Uh, Shirakawa. Uh, Shirakawa. You know, she's someone who, like, had, you know, a very, like, she was like a pure person or whatever, just kind of doing her thing. And, you know, she made some bad choices and has made some compromises. And now she's like a, like a low level drug dealer um, mm-hmm. in, in the same way. And so, like, I, I think to, to get at uh, Riku's question about, like, how the portrayal of these two police officers is meant to talk about the show's portrait of crime and society. I mean, I think maybe the idea is that like, you know, all of us could, you know, anybody could fall victim to it, like could fall into this, uh, you know, because, you know, hardships happen in our lives and, you know, we're, we're against the wall and then, you know, we make compromises and before you know it, we're taking out loans to take out the girl of our dreams to a fancier restaurant than we could ever afford. Absolutely. I mean, so much of our taxi is focused around the pursuit of money. Um, and if not money through what I'm going to describe as value, and that could be either economic fiscal value as in money, or it can be like social acceptance, uh, that has its own value. Um, and I suppose, like, you know, for the Elder Diamond, it could be as simple as, well, I'm a def- like, you know, I'm going to fr- structurally or implicitly through my role defend trickle-down economics. But then he looks up and realizes, hey, all this trickle-down something to me. This ain't fucking right. So there you go. Like, um, and maybe, like, you know, we can't necessarily preclu- preclude our taxi having a systemic critique of our society because... I suppose, like, maybe it just really is all capitalism is shit and it just drives everyone to do this sort of thing. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean, definitely shows, like, there's nothing sacred about the institution of the police. I mean, they certainly don't have any moral authority uh, mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. I mean, they're... Um, and then the one of them that is idealistic is, you know, he's wearing glasses because he's too short-sighted to see that ah the, nice <laughs> he's too short nice. to see that like the like a real kind of uh criminal element like chewing at the oh. underbelly of our fair society is right there next <laughs> oh. to him, you know oh you're right or alternatively it could be like the glasses from they live oh <laughs> yes yeah, so which Shit. which one of them is Roddy Piper and which one of them is And uh, and, and if you think if you think we'd be if it would be silly with like, you know, this joke about the way the younger Diamond brother sees the world, now he sees other people, just keep that in mind when we talk about Odakawa in a bit. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> like, you know, the show's the show's already made it clear that like, you know, the way in which people view the world and view other people is uh very important. <laughs> just just you wait yeah. and see. I, oh, I, d- I do think what you're saying is very right that like money makes the world go round. And I mean, it's, it's the reason that everyone, it, it's like, it's, it's what it all ultimately comes back to. I mean, why yeah. Shirakawa's in trouble, why Kakihana's in trouble. 
what is motivating Dobu? What is motivating Yano? The idol industry. Um, you know, maybe not so much uh, Tai Chi, but um, but you could argue that, like, I don't know, they're sort of analogous. The whole the fame and money thing, yeah, and that they go hand. It in also. Hand, so. It also then fits that the protagonist is the character least concerned with money in the entire show. Odakawa. He's a taxi driver. Mm-hmm. He can't be making that much money. But nor has he ever seemed like he's, you know, like Shaw, in desperate need of it for anything. It's never a concern with him. Beyond just, hey, that's my fare. Thank you very much. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah, although um, Tanaka's never really been concerned with it either. Um... Well, no, he he wasn't concerned with it, but he still devoured but so it, much of his it, life and money through that. Yep, that's true. Especially his childhood, poison. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the credit card. That's what I mean, yeah. Oh, for, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Shit, dog. Right. Uh, so, uh, do you have anything else to add to that question? I don't think so. Okay, uh, next one then. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Yano? Why does he rap? what is doing or making it possible okay my immediate reaction to it is this um so that can i just I th- um re- i think oh, re- we should reread the last part of the question because it's not so and i this is i find this incredibly fascinating what is the rap doing in the context of the show, like as literature or as text, like what is that mode of communication? Like what is it making possible in the story? Yes. I find this really fascinating. Well, I've got my thought, but I'll let you know. No, 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 no. I haven't thought about this at all. I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I hadn't really that thought about it that deeply. I just sort of was like, Oh, this is a fun aesthetic choice. You know what I mean? This is like a thing where, you know, He's like, I don't know. He's he's this is cool character that looks like he's a uh, a gangster from like a like a Korean film. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't okay. know. I don't know why. I don't know why the rapping. Why do you think the rapping? Okay, let's put it this way: every character, to some degree or another, in our taxi is performing. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are presenting a version of themselves that is either exaggerated, it's histrionics, or it's, you know, entirely performative. Uh, Kabasawa fits in that bill, for example. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And Rui. therefore, why would... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Therefore, why would we think that Yano is any exception? Even, I think this speaks to the nature of, like, how human beings present themselves... Uh, human beings, I'm not saying that as a mistake by the way, but rather and also need to it in that for everyone in the show to some extent or another uh, they must present a version of themselves that is not entirely in tandem with who they are authentically and even for Yano, the mob boss, who he has to maintain a, ve- a semblance of power and control mm-hmm. and a mystique even, right. if you want to call it that Sure. Um, and that's what the rapping is doing the rap beyond just being a quirky way of having him exist as a character for our amusement, is a continuation of that idea that is about continual need to perform and present to other people for an intended effect. I, that's, that's perfect. I think that makes perfect sense. Cool. 
all right, that's it. Pack it up. Let's go home. <laughs> well, well, I think more gen- – so so there's a very general question for what do you think of Yano? Um, what do I think of it? Yeah, oh. what, what, so um, what do you think of Yano? Well, I, well, I, I, I'll just say, like, um, you know, he's a scumbag. Uh, he's a entertaining scumbag because he's rapping all the time. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, there hasn't been really too much beyond that, I feel. So uh, I like him. I think he fits the tone and texture and mood of the story very well. So what about you? Well, the only thing I'll add to that is that also the rap is a disarming element. Our introduction to Tiano is when he crashes into Odakawa in the street and he yes. is on the scooter. And so our impression is... This is some random. He's just a regular guy. Okay, or regular as in, like, you know, he's more towards the norm than not, beyond the quirk of him rapping. Maybe, I mean, we've seen so many different performers at this point, the comedy duo, the idols, that we can maybe just think that this is part of the show's clique, that he himself is perhaps a wannabe performer or rap artist, Mm, you know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's disarming. That's our first intro. And then when we see him in the warehouse with uh, poor Kakiana later, that rap changes from a likable quirk to a malicious method of expression. Very ominous. The we yeah, we have our setup, but then we have our subversion. Yeah. Where the exact same words or the exact same style of communication was employed before that we thought was, oh, he's a likable kind of guy. It's a bit weird, you know, I just crashed into a guy in the street, whatever. Yeah, charming. And then he's using it <laughs> yeah. and then he's using it as his prelude to beating the Shao Kakiana. Like that's another part of why I think is really chilling about him in that it's a disarming way of introducing himself. And probably to a people, like people, it maybe invites people to take him too lightly. This again ties into the idea of performance. It might not necessarily be to make him seem bigger or stronger than he is, but rather the opposite. Um, I mean, do you want me to bring up Joe Pesci from Goodfellas at this point? I think I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. Funny. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do I make I, you laugh? <laughs> Um, I mean, he is—he right. is a tiny man, you know. Mm-hmm. So it maybe it will be that he is just Joe Pesci. <laughs> I'd be—I'd okay, be okay, you know, with him voicing him. I mean, admittedly, if you think I'm joking here with this comparison, I'd like to point out that Joe Pesci has done a rap album. That—that <laughs> that can't be true. No, I'm not kidding. Look up, look I'm up Joe that. Pesci, wise guys, on YouTube. Just, just do it right I'm now. Just Google. In fact, in fact, you could do that. Tell you what, Doc, improvised moment here, because I need to sip to the bathroom. I'm going to let you do that. Listen to this and give your reaction on the air while I nip away for two minutes. How does that sound? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go on, have a listen to Wise right. Guys by Joe Pesci. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to pull up the lyrics on Genius, and I'm going to look at some oh, questions my... here. Okay, you do that. I'll be back shortly. Did Joe Pesci actually rap, people ask? The Oscar-winning actor released a gangster rap album in 1998. 1998's Lethal Weapon 4 was the end of Pesci's ongoing movie career. At 55 years old, the actor tried his hand at hip-hop. Even more bizarrely, he performs as, so he he has a stage name, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini, the character he played. Not in Goodfellas, but in the 1992 hit comedy, My Cousin 
Vinny. And not only does he have uh, a rap album, it appears he has three albums to his name. Uh, One of them, of course, is hip-hop. The newest one is from 2019. Uh, and it's called Still Singing, and it's a jazz album. But Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings just for you. Uh, but he also <laughs> he also has the song, the track Wise Guy that Shadon was referring to. Um, I don't know if I should read these lyrics or not, because they are terrible. Um, hug back. Go on, do tell. Well, so Wise Guys is one of the tracks from his album <laughs> under the under the, the performance, the stage name Vincent Laguardia Gambino. <laughs> However, did you know he also has a 2019 album that's uh, what? jazz? Yeah, yeah. So he he, wow. he realized I- the hip hop was not for him. Holy shit, I did not know that. Um, that's insane. Right. I, I mean, I, I did realize that I was going to, you know, have, like, my attack turned back on me JoJo style here. But <laughs> here we are. So, that being said, though, Doc, you have now had it confirmed that Joe Pesci oh, did yeah. a rap album. Uh, I mean, I'm going to read Mariano the... Co- comparison I'm is gonna, spot on. I'm going to read the chorus, since you've brought this up and now that you're back. I'm going to read the chorus. <laughs> oh, do it. Of the song Wise Guy. <laughs> I'm a wise guy. I'm a wise guy. Lovely day in the neighborhood. Lovely day in the neighborhood for a drive-by. It's the bitches that'll get yous. For a drive-by. Lovely day in the neighborhood. Lovely day in the neighborhood. For a drive-by. It's the bitches that'll get yous. For a drive-by. You know, you know, before I start crying here, I just want to point out that if we are going to end second stream soon, we could have not ended it on a better note than you reading out those lyrics. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they have done something wrong. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Do we? Do you want to add anything more to Riku's question before we move away from that and leave Joe Pesci behind forever? <laughs> the, the only thing I want to say is that I feel like this question implies that Riku has their own thoughts and I want to know what those are because I think it's an incredibly fascinating question and I want to know if they have um, more to add than we have presented so I'd be very curious fair play right then um, that brings us to the end of our Patreon questions so thank you very much everyone who contributed yes. uh, thank you to Riku and Rackham um, if you are a patient of ours, do feel free to ask questions for the final episode. Sounds like a tag team, a wrestling tag team duo, Riku and Rackham. Well, I mean, they, they were some good follow-up questions mm-hmm. there, and mm-hmm. not me for six. Um, right, with that said, we'll move on to talking points. And I actually don't have many that we haven't already covered, but I, I will just start with a small thing here. Okay. Um, it, in this show, like it can be difficult at times, I think, to feel when people are necessarily being genuine to other characters. Or not. And that's part of its design. But we also need to speak about music for a little bit. Because there's a scene in which Odakawa and Shirakawa um, meet in the park and discuss, like, basically the revelation is doled out that she was with Dobu for a time. Um, 
and you know that she was dependent on him financially to the point where she is now in massive debt and he is perhaps or has categorically been violent towards her all this sort of stuff and Odakawa is rightly like well you basically came on to me for you know reasons like for these surreptitious reasons your boyfriend wanted to use me as a getaway driver yeah yeah so uh off you go uh if there's one thing you can prescribe yourself in the pharmacy, it's a maximum strength dose of fuck yourself. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. 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 Like, that's what he said, basically, in, in no uncertain terms. Yeah. Now, she's explaining, like, her feelings to him, the fact that she does genuinely love him. And... Do you believe that? I am... Um, well, here's... This is the point I'm getting okay. to. Listen to the music that's happening during this. Very sentimental sound okay, okay. Yeah. piano piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and... If there's one thing that Tanscruel has taught me on YouTube is that you've got to pay attention to music, like as far as mood setting goes, and it to me like one it made me think that she is probably being genuine soon. Because if there's one thing I can say about this show is that it does point out various times in which characters do try to be authentic, uh, for better or for worse. Um, there is, for example, the um, the donkey pair, uh, <laughs> you know, of a uh, the donkey of the you know the ass of the comedian group, the unfortunately, pair. and his and his and his time with Rui, which seems pretty on on the, you know pretty above board for what it's worth. Baba, right? Yes, yeah. And then there's also um, uh, Yano's uh, like the manager of Mystery Kiss, mm-hmm. uh, whose name eludes Yamamoto. Me. Um, yeah, Yamamoto. Uh, like he starts. Is he a dog also? What is he? Fuyuki Yamamoto. He's a large... He definitely looks canine. He looks like it, a I large... I think he's a jackal? Maybe a, a jackal. A jackal, if I had to guess? Sure. A coyote? But yeah. anyway. That's one of those. A canine of some description. Yeah. But, um, like, he says, that, for example, in the scene uh, in which, uh, you know, um, the Ice Gems mascot is there, whatever his name is, uh, Mr. Polar Bear himself. <laughs> right. Um, Fukumoto. He, he's... <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you know, hey, Mystery Kiss are doing great. Like, you know, I need more time to get him. Like, he's actually speaking about the fact that they are genuinely successful at this point. Not that they are successful as, you know, the racketeering, like, exploitative, you know, um, mm-hmm. body trap situation that they are, but rather that they are successful as a band. Oh, wait, I misspoke. He's like, I misspoke. Sorry, it's not Fukumoto. It's Sekaguchi. Hmm. Polar bear. I was looking at a panda, but yeah. you're right. It is a polar bear. My bad. Hmm. So the basically the um the show does show characters being authentic it's not so like d- depressing or nihilistic that there can be no authentic genuine most between characters and i think this is one of those examples and it uses the music to enforce that with us where like odakawa has his own you know like perspective which i think given his like inner thoughts is reasonable i don't blame him for feeling that way we're in issues i'd probably as i say be a lot more scornful of uh, shirakawa um but the music says to us that, like, you know, in terms of who we should believe in this scene, uh, we should believe her. And I just wanted to point that out because I think, like, it's a little detail that I appreciate, mm-hmm. like, to help send me. Like, sometimes music can be overly didactic, I think, as, you rightly, as you've said before, like, or it can just, you know, be too... Like, this is how you should said, feel. Like, yeah, yeah, feel this way, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. But, like, I think this works, like, to help sell in this case because... There is a place, I think, for a lot of ambiguity in the show, but not so much where we can't get a concrete feeling of someone's, like, you know, thoughts and emotions. Yeah. And so I do think she genuinely does care for him, even though it came originally from a place of mm-hmm. cynicism and exploitation. I'm just going to take a victory lap. Because I, I just, I knew it. I knew 
even in those first episodes, I was like, there's a connection here. Uh, even if mm. they did not, even if it didn't begin that way, I just felt that they made a real connection. The one thing that gives me pause is she's, her feelings seem to have escalated quite quickly. Uh, because, you know, she doesn't, and this, this could just be a localization translation issue, but, um, maybe it's not an issue. I don't know. Um, but after her confession to him, when she kind of lays out the truth about herself and why she approached him and what she's going to do. You know, she says she's going to to tell the truth and turn herself in, so to speak, to to Goriki. Mm-hmm. And she says, because not because I have feelings for you or I care about you, or so because I love you. And that seems to be that seems like a lot for a, a lot for her to feel based on the limited amount of time they've been together. Mm-hmm. I could be I could be mm-hmm. wrong again. This could be just a subtitling thing where or, or some kind of uh, language thing where there's a different shade of meaning, which doesn't mean the way that I would mean it if I said that or something. Uh, but it felt like okay, you're coming on a little strong there, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit too strong. But well, um, I I do hear you on that, but I would also like to point out that. You could take any pair of characters in this show and probably contrast them to each other in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And so, if you think about it, like, is if it, if we take her like declaration of I love, despite such short amount, you know where I'm going, uh, in such a short amount of time as true, could we also not then see that as a contrast to the way Shiho treats Kakiana, in that hers was completely facile. You know, there are some people who will confess love very quickly to you because they are going to exploit you, they're going to steal from you, they're going to demean you. And there are some people who will express their love to you very quickly because despite how convention might make it seem, might make it out to be too quick, and, you know, there are certainly times to say sure. that that's true, that uh, sometimes people do fall in love very quickly, yeah. and it is perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, I uh, no, it's totally fair. It's totally fair. Um... It just in this particular context where she's been exposed as a as kind of a fraud, you know, mm. I'm I have my guard up a little bit. I I hope that it does work out. I mean, I I'm I I believe her. I think I'm leaning toward that. Um, I mean, the only person I want to find someone by the end of the show at this point is Kakiana. <laughs> Poor fucking dude just needs a fucking break. Does. Doesn't he need to be anything like other than just a promise of like, hey, let's go get a coffee sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With someone who actually gives a shit about him. Oh, I know. Christ. I know. Anyway, uh, that's my talking point on music done in that particular mm-hmm. scene. Over to you, Doc. You've got anything to add? Um, well, there's a very disturbing uh, scene I want to talk about oh. from the beginning of episode five. Winotokawa is picking up uh, Yamamoto, and they stop to get uh, the first client, the the first member of the idol group. It's a it's a young cat, and she's just casually eating fried chicken, and that seems in the context of the show when everyone's an animal. That just seems fucking heinous. <laughs> well, well, well now. Um, I, I agree with you. This, is <laughs> this was not ready for 
the explicit mention of fried chicken. Um, this and Kakiana, of course, is cutting his steak and everything. But this was just like that was later after the initial shock. Well, this is the perfect segue then onto my point about Odakawa and how he sees the world. Get ready here. I'm ready. None of the people in the show are actually animals; they are human beings. Okay. This is right. A, let me go through my. It's a galaxy brain let me, theory. Let me go through my evidence. So, first off, there's been a couple of times in which there have been lines said by Odakawa about, for example, how he sees Goriki as a gorilla, for example, things like that. Odakawa. But then we also need to consider uh, Odakawa's ability to recognize people. Oh, uh, interesting. Despite wearing masks. Yeah. Versus when they do, because. I also need to then point out something else, which is, let's go back to, um, like, Taichi looking at the video of um, Tanaka shooting up the club. Now, if these characters were animals, and we've seen Dobu wearing a mask in this, how the fuck, <laughs> unless he was being willfully disingenuous, would he mistake that person for Dobu? <laughs> uh, Tanaka has a tail. Well, Tanaka has a blue-colored tail. You see that in the video. Yeah, right. But uh, D- Dobu's skin, like or hair, I should say, um, is roughly the same color. Um, not like the red. He's got patches, like big. Te- like he's got the... he's got big. He's got big teeth and uh, bulbous cheeks and yeah, all that. It's covered up by it's covered up by the mask. I think we've seen how Dobu looks with a mask on, and it's hilarious because it provides him it only co- zero. It no... only covers up. Yeah. disguise at all um but you know yeah. taichi hasn't but that's seen he's that. got a big head you know t- but he's got a big face on yeah he does taichi hasn't seen that you know and uh he's no. not wearing a hood and stuff like that um but he has seen photographs of what he looks like mm-hmm. so okay put that onto one side um then also how does he recognize shirakawa from the rear even though in theory she there could be any alpaca in the world why her specifically? Well, if she was a human, how would, how, he, how would he recognize her in that way? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll okay. get back to that. Okay. But, but in turn, then how does he recognize Taichi when he's wearing a mask? Uh, because of the <laughs> the neck and the head. And the mask only yeah. covers like like a tiny portion of his face. <laughs> yep, yep. There's, there's that. Uh-huh. There's that. But... I want to put all this in context here, which is to say that they Dobu and Odakawa spend a lot of time discussing how he has this particular ability to like find mm-hmm. people in crowds, yeah, as long as they're not wearing masks, yeah. And why is that? Um, in addition, I should also note that Shirakawa and Goriki right. spend time talking about the fact that Odakawa clearly has some sort of neurological condition, yeah. Akin possibly to synesthesia. synesthesia, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So my theory is that Odakawa sees the world. And everyone in it as animals, and that's why he's able to single people out the way he does. Mm. And that, but otherwise, everyone is a human being. I mean, there's even like some on the nose like referencing that by the fact that the comedy troupe are called the Homo Sapiens. Right, but that's funny because they're animals. <laughs> yeah, but then it turns out they might actually just very well be called Homo Sapiens and be humans. My my theory is. My theory is that um, this explains Odakawa's ability to like find like you know people in crowds and all that because he sees them very differently than everyone else. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. Um, That's why also he says Calico Cat specifically, right. and and when he says that, um, the manager, uh, whatever his name is, 
says, what are you talking about? If she was actually a Coleco cat, just anthropomorphized, would you not have just ignored that comment? Well, I mean, he's just talking under his breath and he's like, why are you talking mm. about a Calico cat? I don't know. I hope, I hope this isn't true. That will be, it will be disappointing. Uh, if, if the wonderful aesthetic and character of the show is, uh, <laughs> is not, is doesn't uh, happen <laughs> you, to be true. You, you could not, yeah. you could not in chat saying this is like the purgatory right. games, uh, sorry, <laughs> girls last, uh, tour theory. Yes. And I'm like, I'm all in for crazy theories yeah. like this. Yeah. It is definitely um, galaxy brainer. I mean, I, I got a big forehead. What can I say? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, that's my feeling on this because I, I think they paid too much attention to these various bits here, these little things I point out, for it not to be either that the animal thing is something that people don't actively comment on, which is strange, or when they do comment, like the Coleco cat thing, it's like only Odakawa that does it and never anyone else. Well, how, how'd that explain scenes in which Odakawa is not present that this i did consider this 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 (laughs) i did consider and i think the reason that if if this is if my theory is true i think the reason they've had to do this because otherwise it would give the game away way too early so it's more a function of necessity than otherwise sure uh unless unless this entire thing gets like you know an episode 13 closing on web and that was my story and then he's just like recounting everything that he's heard or been told Mm -hmm. and in which case it is still framed for his lens you're not wrong to point that out and it does weaken a little bit that they've had to compensate for that if that is true um but hey i mean i bring this it's up because like there are shows because there are shows also like b stars for example uh, and even bna where the anthropomorphism is a key part of like mm-hmm. how characters act is that uh, influences their behavior yeah. um and influences like their society mm-hmm. and for odd taxi like in all ways um it is basically our world as we know it, just with anthropomorphized people, and no one brings it up save for Odakawa. Right. He's the only person who ever mentions other people in terms of looking like animals. Gariki is a gorilla. Um, she, she, whatever her name is, is um, you know a Coleco cat. No right. one else does. Right. Uh, the the director has said in an interview that it was a like a tonal choice, but I mean you wouldn't want to spoil that for people. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily a, a a winning argument against your theory or anything. It's very interesting. Um, uh, we'll we will I guess see if it comes true. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. But it is. No, but but it is really intriguing. Like, kind of as a possibility, you know, because. Here, right at the end of the block of episodes we covered, and they've really leaned into exploring Otokawa's brain and the things that could be going on there. They've like, let why you are they doing that? Of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very curious. So mm-hmm. we shall see. All right. Do you have any more talking points, Doc? Um. Also, I did the fried chicken one. Um. So Rui Nikaido. What a character. <laughs> she is... We don't really get to see her in her leather jacket and stuff this episode, but she's a fascinating one. Um, 
you know, we find out that she does have, uh, I guess, a boyfriend or a, a love interest in Baba, who is not you or me, uh, but is in fact Atsuya Baba, uh, the donkey. Um, and of course, she can't reveal that, you know, because she's an idol and part of kind of manipulating or it being seen as, as like pure to your to your fan base is you know you keep her relationships under wraps so she's got that going on she also appears to know something about like yano's involvement with their group and i mean she's like in the know about the uh shiho Ichimura, the calico cat you spoke of, doing doing the online entrapment. I don't want to be a badger doing badger games anymore. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, ah, so like you know, like she's there for that comment. So, and she knows like she's the most mask off person in the in the group. It's wild. Uh, ha- like that. I don't know. I just never would have thought like going in, right? Like these sort of stories, I'm used to the managers being, you know, the shadowy figures behind the scenes, of course, and doing all kinds of of uh, of, of nefarious, bad skullduggery. Yeah, skullduggery. Um, but man, she's just like in on it. Like she knows. Like she's trying to, you know, much like she's chasing fame, like Tai Chi, but like. Like she's like actively hurting people and like willing to go outside, like out of the bounds of legality and decency and everything to achieve uh, whatever it is that she that she wants. And I mean, I just she's so interesting because I would never have thought like I mean, from the very first of the show, like, you know, we see we see her as an idol and then immediately we're hit with like she's not who she appears to be. And it's like we keep we yep. keep getting that more and more like oh she's really not who she appears to be. Like she's like involved directly or at least she knows about like the criminal nature of of what of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and ugh. and the thing is Rackham is saying uh you know that Ruby doesn't do the badger games because people know who she is. But I, I then would put to you, what is the difference yeah. between her and Imai versus Shiho and Kakihana? I mean, one is more, I suppose, nakedly criminal than the other. But the fact is that she is still exploiting her fans for their wealth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is like, to what point do we go from one to the other? Should we look more harshly on her behavior than we would do in real life? Like, the, the, the line... The line between these two acts and how we feel about them morally and ethically is thin mm-hmm. and nebulous mm-hmm. when you put it in contrast. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to how Odd Tax, even though I said it's not necessarily about systemic critiques, points out that at a certain level of criminality or in a certain way, some crimes, even though they are functionally equivalent, the transfer of wealth from one person to another um, against their will or without their informed consent... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some are more acceptable or more tolerated than others when they really shouldn't. Be. I know it's 
That's a good point. That's a good point. And I mean, as much as much as you say that the show is not a systemic critique, I think, and I think you did say this earlier too, that like sort of hanging above everything is like in parentheses capitalism, right? I mean, it's money. Like, it is. Can we can yeah. we have the ending scene of the show being Odakawa beating up with the Monopoly man? <laughs> I'm sure. Could that be a thing? Yes. I'd be okay with that. Yes. I'd be all right with that. One other thing I want to point out, though, just also to go back to Shiho very briefly, is a small thing. Um, she, and this again just could be me just like misinterpreting the detail here, but she mentions in the ta- one of the taxi rides that she takes with the manager and, of course, Odakawa, which Odakawa appears, that she likes hot springs. Mm-hmm. That's the thing she says. Yep. yep. And would you say, Doc, that we have any reason to disbelieve her in that particular scenario that she doesn't like hot springs? You know, I don't think so. Would we think that? No, I think I think we can take that on sure. face value because she's in an environment where she doesn't need to pretend to be someone she's not. So let's now just go over to the dinner scene between her and Kakiana, where she mentions that she likes baths. Right. And hey, she mentions we got a, that she we got a genuine bath. slice of her personality there. Yes, yes, and this I think is really fascinating, and it makes me wonder what will happen with her later because she lays out to Kakiana like, "I hated spending time with you. You lied to me about how much you had for money, like how much money mm-hmm. you had." And make no mistake, she is right, even though she is complicit in the fact that he is now like in the awful situation he's in, both in terms of debt and being physically assaulted. Um, but she is still right. But nonetheless. Is what she's saying there, where she's telling him unequivocally, I think you're a a moron, and I literally felt like I was suffocating when time I spent (laughs) with you. Is that entirely true, given that she said that thing that we have corroborating evidence for that is true and real and authentic? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, that's... Let me stroke my beard on This is what, I mean, this is what I think you were... You were gesturing at in the first set of episodes we did. It's that like, you know, you would like to see the truth come out and you knew it was going to be ugly and everything, but maybe they'd end up with some kind of real connection after all was said and Mm. done. So maybe that's still in the cards. Everyone feels better after a hangover. That's all I say. (laughs) Um, Okay. um, The final talking point for me, and I want to just bring this up as a point of speculation, given that the next time we come back will be the final block the of episodes. Final. Has Odakawa actually kidnapped someone? I was just going to ask, like, what oh, is... Oh, What is happening? Because, like, I, in episode seven, I, when I, Diamond's about to open the door and gets buzzed away, I was just like, God damn it, no. I want to see what's in the what's in there, right? Well, I mean, well, certainly some people believe he's just talking to himself, and then you have other people believe he's really kidnapped this girl. So, like multiple theories are on the table in the text of the show yeah i honestly think that he hasn't yeah but my evidence is not entirely rock solid however i will point to one thing uh so uh tanaka visits odakawa's place and puts some bullet holes in it as a warning Mm -hmm. if it even was him actually because again if the show is taught as anything yeah if the show is taught as anything uh, be careful, like as making assumptions. It could very well have been Dobu. Yeah, like know. a frame up. But, yeah. But anyway, to most of the point, he puts a bullet in one of his windows, which Orokawa <laughs> then boards over with this tiny little beer mat sized piece of wood. <laughs> and is it he wood? Says, is it carved? He just tapes it up. 
And he says, there, you can't escape now. Now, unless... Unless Odakawa has kidnapped a fucking dragonfly... Right. And put it yeah. in a, a jar. Yeah. How the fuck is a regular a human being-sized person going to sneak out a bullet hole? I didn't even. I, mean, I didn't even catch that line. To be honest with you, you're, you're, I saw. You're, I mean, him say "good girl," but I missed that part. Like that's wild. Yeah. Does he have like you said like yeah. a pet? Uh, some kind of like pet thing that walruses traditionally eat, and he's yeah. like, "I'm is ashamed f- because this is supposed to be my prey, but I love it." Is it a firefly or some shit? I don't know, <laughs> but like. I mean, if your response to that was, well, she could break the window, like, she could always do yes, that. Okay. Like, we've heard we've heard nothing, no signs of life, not a damn thing. I know. And, yeah, I, I'm not entirely convinced um, that there is someone behind there. Now, I could be wrong. I don't think so. I could so, be wrong really. even about what I just said. But, like, that to me just screamed to me, like, there's something demented going on here. Unless he is literally so insane as to think that, like, any possible avenue of, like, like it must be holistically sealed, hmm. and that counts as being secure. But I'm not entirely convinced that's the case, because Odakawa, unless he's some sort of American psycho character, <laughs> um, like, is so, like, rational as to live his day-to-day life in a way that's completely contrary to the likes of... Uh, Taichi, for example, yeah. or what his name was. Sure. So, sorry, Tanaka, I mean to say. Right. You know, where he's like gone completely psychopathic. Yeah. Like, unless he's like, as I say, like, you know, one of those high-functioning serial killers or something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that's that, as opposed to just the fact that he's got some sort of psychosis where he believes someone's there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's going to be uh, not exactly what Goriki said, because I think the show wants to surprise us. But also, yeah, I don't think it's it's a kidnapping because, you know, you mentioned the music in the scene, uh, the confession scene, sheen, the confession scene from Shirokawa, from the alpaca, the confession. Uh, I think the music here uh, in the scene you're speaking of when Odakawa is fixing the hole in his window is deliberately meant to mislead you. It's like sort of comic, mm-hmm. like because it's very sinister and like tense but it's like, you know, to me, it felt like a part of the comedy, like, you know, I mean, we don't really know, but like, I think we can kind of know he's not actually ha- having like a kidnap victim in his, uh, in his closet. It's, it's clearly something else is going on. No, what is he's very, yeah, who, who can say, but, um, mm. but yeah, no, I know I'm fascinated got- by this. Like what, what is happening here? Very interesting. Evidence, evidence to me leans to not, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, if the final like five seconds of odd taxi is him just opening that cupboard and saying, off you go. And then there's just like this emaciated little Gokman. I think I'll just literally just throw my monitor out my window. <laughs> I'll be like, what? <laughs> fuck? No. <laughs> what the fuck? I'll be like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is the end of my talking points. Do you have anything else you wish to add, Doc? Uh, just we'll bring up that, you know, we haven't talked about him at all, but uh, in this set of episodes, we do get introduced to Nagashima Satoshi, the giraffe. Uh, oh, yes. Who, like has been, I guess, kind of like aggressively re- corresponding with or hate mailing uh, the homo sapiens uh, throughout. I, I mean, he, he kept sticking his neck out. <laughs> yes with a lot of criticism and so he doesn't in the latest episode when they're having their radio show 
you know, he doesn't write in, but like he shows up at the at the radio station, but he does not get to introduce himself to Shibagaki. But he knows who Shibagaki and Baba are by appearance, but they don't know him. This could be another like, you know, uh like oil technology. It allows some some shit to happen kind of thing. But uh mm. But it's interesting because, like, we see Nagashima looking totally insane in the first shot. I mean, looks like he has a slept for about a Uh, And then once he is sort of out of the presence of Shibagaki, he looks a lot more normal, uh, which is interesting. His presence in this show, even brief though it has been thus far, is to remind us that uh, much as it is with Taichi, for example, that all of our the things we like do online, like there are people out there it can affect. Yeah. And you might say, well, he's not online on the radio, but the point is still the same. It is still, as I've said before, a parasocial relationship. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you when you you know when you fire back thinking there's no one, like there's an ephemeral sense of someone else on the other end, like it's a person who radioed in. So fucking what. Uh, no, they are a real flesh and blood person with a fully formed personality, thoughts and opinions, and you can't necessarily just go for, out throwing insults at them. I mean, I still think there's a time and a place for that if you have some reasonable understanding of a person's character, mm-hmm. like what I said about Logan Paul, for example, or Lauren Sun before. But in the case happened here, where he literally just was a fan who sent them letters and they might have been a bit obnoxious, but that's the worst he ever got, then it wasn't called for saying that. And then he just unfortunately realized, oh, they are actually a real person, not a fictitious construct that exists in my brain that I can't fully, uh, you know, realize in my own like mental space. I have no idea how he's going to be used going forward. He might not even appear again, to be quiet. But the point, if he doesn't, the point is still there to like mm-hmm. tie it into everything else we've seen in that there are very real consequences for you know, like you know talking or interacting with people you don't know in person or have never physically met on the assumption or rather the unconscious assumption that they don't exist like they don't like they're not right. a part of your life in such a way they f- feel meaningful dehumanized yes abstracted, that's exactly the phrase i was looking for abstracted yeah, their abstracted humanity de- they're like uh they're just like a like a TV show. Um, the the way that like that sort of exists is like a story, you know, not a real hundred percent, not a real mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, do we have anything else to add to the show? I don't think. Point? I mean, so I think I talked about everything that I wanted to say. I mean, I'm sure there's more that uh, someone that was more with it than I this week could could add. Uh, but that's all Same I've got. Me. Fair enough, then. In that case, we'll wrap up for the day. Um, so, time for scoring. Uh, Doc, do you want to go first, or shall I? Um, sure, I can go first. Um, I like these episodes uh, quite a bit. You know, I like the the tangled web that everyone is mm. in uh, is more tangled. The knots are pulled tighter uh, over the set of these four episodes. Uh, and even, you know, new characters are, you know, sliding into the fray. Um, new mm-hmm. connections reveal and the the drama continues to be fascinating continues to be both extremely funny at times um, and is like even more tragic than ever um, without being 
I mean, like the scene where, you know, Kaki like calls his mom and stuff like that. Mm. It's rough. But this whole thing to me has never felt really like I was being beat over the head with how sad it is by the show. Um, so, you know, props to it for that. Uh, I, I just think it's been incredibly well written, well scripted. Uh, I love these animal people, and I mean, I'm just so hyped up for like the final set of episodes. The, the airport scene, <laughs> we must get the mm. airport scene where just everything is is happening. But yeah, I'm gonna give this. Yeah. Um, what shall I give it? I will give it. I think I gave it the full five last time, and I don't see any real reason to dock it uh, this time. So I'm gonna give it. Um, uh uh five uh catfished baboons out of five. Oh no. I guess catfishing's not the, not the right word, but well, well, yeah. Well actually given that it was a cat doing it, so maybe that's actually more appropriate than not. <laughs> yes. Two words, catfished. I I I'll, although one kakiana is too painful for my heart, I'm not sure I can take five. Um okay. So for me, like everything I've said still stands of course. Um the the mist like this this writing is so layered. Like mm. I can think, I don't think there's a single character I can't think, like, whose, like, own character arc and character problem is not mirrored, referenced, or replicated in a little way or some way in another character's. Like, everything feels so intricately woven together where I can, like, you give me a character in this show and say, is there a character with a similarish problem or a similarish thing they're going through? And I'll be like, yes, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I cannot think of another anime I've covered in such a long time, with the possible exception of stuff like I don't know, Madoka or Penguin Drum, like the, mm-hmm. the absolute creme de la creme that do similarly, where they weave their characters together and have them their own like arcs reinforce each other while still being distinct. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the mystery is still intriguing. Uh, it's actually still exciting. Like, you know, there's moments where Odakar is in genuine danger with this, you know? Um, it's not pulling its punches with respect to its appraisal of social media. Um, about the only thing I wish is that perhaps it was a bit more, although maybe time will get to this, where it is a bit more even-handed than that. Because as I say, social media is not entirely an evil, despite all the shitty things it has done. You know, I mean, this podcast would not exist without it for a start. That is certainly a win. And I'm not trying to put down the pedestal of like, you know, when well, that was all of it, but rather... <laughs> but, well, okay, yeah. But Me too, I mean, BLM, you know, there are, <laughs> there, Oh, no. It's the Mount no, Rushmore. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but nonetheless, like, you know, there's so much, there's so much good that it's done as well. And I wonder if the show might be a little more even-handed in that. But mm. again, who's to say? Um, you know, it's, it's still pretty tightly knitted this show and i have got a lot of respect for it for that and a lot i'm honestly really really impressed by it um so you know i'm not gonna dock it either no no docks no docks i'm gonna give it five out of five and thropomorphize halloween parades um it's potentially could be the first perfect show we've ever covered i mean and strongly do we think uh, i i've got a lot of confidence at this point that it's going to pay off as well as it has built up yeah you know i mean not a single part of this show's script to me feels wasted it is as lean as one can get and i don't mean to say like that's it's devoid of me but rather that it's just properly toned Mm -hmm. you know like it's well shaped like it 
And now I'm starting There's to feel so this. much. It makes it sound like, <laughs> like, like, it makes it sound like I'm starting to sound like butts. Someone's <laughs> calf, you know. Um, but- <laughs> Odd Taxi is a perfectly sculpted well-toned pair of bollocks. Yes. I don't know. You quote your own metaphor. The I'm going out getting anime. pissed in a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, every everything is really connected. And, you know, there's stuff that I feel like has been deliberately backgrounded. Like, we didn't get anything in this set of episodes on the uh the eraser uh oh and that tanaka is very like you know i mean he did do a thing you know where he shot up the cabaret club but like we we did not get a lot of moments like with him and i feel like more of that's coming and yeah i just this show is such an elaborately laid thing that i'm 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 really excited it is sort of a rube goldberg machine of an anime mm-hmm. you know so it's it's yeah. no part no part of it's falling over no part of it's staying on fire it's just crisp and i love mm-hmm. it all right that'll bring us to the end of the podcast then so uh thank you very much to everyone who's joined us tonight where or indeed at a lace boy if you're listening to this after the facts whether you're getting it on vod or you're listening to it just in audio form um and thank you of course always to our patrons for supporting mm-hmm. us through all of this um and of course if you're listening to this on the free air, thank you in turn for your time uh, and attention if you want to help us out don't worry about the Patreon, as we said earlier on. Um, you can join if you want to for like the last month, but that's up to you. Yeah. Uh, but rather, more to the point, uh, if you want to just like and subscribe on like YouTube and um, Apple Music, that kind of stuff, that always helps. Yes. Follow us on Twitter at Warideshow. Uh, Doc, where can people find you if they want to, you know, talk to you about anthropomorphized people or butts or baboons <laughs> or whatever? Uh, at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Good stuff. Uh, if you want to talk about any sort of monkey business with me, you can get me at Shaden1010. And with that, I guess it's time for us to wrap up and be on our way. I'm going to literally go and throw a coat on, yeah. shoes on, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink many, many pints of alcohol tonight. Imbibe. It's been a long week. Oh, oh much imbibing will be done this eve, my good <laughs> sir. Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, thank you all again so much for joining us. Take care over here and the world. Stay safe. Look after yourself. Look after each other. And from me and Doc, as we often say on this podcast, embrace you, everyone. To the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. Do-do-do-do-do-do.